brand new episode of LoftusParty.com. We got a barn burner for you today. We have a, a, an awesome guest on the show. Of course, we're going to give you the latest news. Of course, there's going to be political talk. Of course, there's going to be some entertainment talk. And, and to that, we've got a great guest. Uh, my buddy Pete Corialli is on the show. Pete is just he cracks me up. He's hilarious. Uh, just having a, a great career. We've written together. We've done stand-up together. He's got a new project that he's writing on uh, and, and selling. He's got a fantastic podcast. So we'll be talking with Pete later on in the show. Right now, you are, uh, unfortunately, you're stuck with me. I'm here. And also, you got you got Gypsy uh, from Camp Alpha Alpha Omega, located somewhere uh, on the outskirts of Atlanta. So, how's it going? How's your How's your day treating you so far, there, Gimlet? Oh, it's beautiful. It's sunshiny, and yeah, I think after the podcast, I'm going to take a nap, maybe in the there hammock outside. Have, there, yeah, have it. That yep. sounds delightful. Okay, well, I have been uh, full of. Full of uh, some some outrage, not outrage, anger. I guess um, here is what, and this is like this is this goes to the power of the media. I'm talking about this, you guys. I'm talking about uh, what's been going on with Portland and how easy people are manipulated. How just insanely that people they don't read past the headline. They don't know what they're talking about, and it's weird. Like for, for whatever. Uh, this one, th- and I'm talking about uh, the federal troops arresting people in Portland. This one is almost like the the perfect recipe, I guess, because people that I know, friends of mine, people I've known for for years, are uh, are outraged by this because it looks like if you if you read the headline, it's just like uh, you know Trump's stormtroopers are showing up. And just uh, arresting innocent people. It's, it sounds like people are just standing on the on the sidewalks of Portland, trying to enjoy an ice cream on a nice uh, summer's evening. When suddenly an unmarked van shows up, and these these uh, cops in in riot gear and the federal agents show up, and they don't say a word, and they scoop them up into a van, and these people are never seen again. That's how it's depicted. And when you try, I made the mistake, I made the mistake on Facebook of uh, dipping in a friend of mine, smart dude, like was going for it 110%. Like, holy crap, this is the end of America. This is the end of America. Trump has secret police and they're running around scooping up people who are just trying to enjoy an ice cream. And and you and you try to explain Ow. the situation – Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. And you're like, well, you you know, you know that there's been riots going on in Portland for like for six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And they have no idea. Well, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I know this. You're allowed to peacefully protest. Whatever happened to the First Amendment? You're allowed to peacefully protest. I'm like, yeah, you are. You really are. These people are setting fire to building. They're trying to burn police headquarters. They're trying to burn federal buildings. They're attacking everything. It's night after night after night of riots. I'm, and then 
Well, I guess the First Amendment doesn't mean anything to you anymore. And you're like, sweet Jesus. The mayor. Uh, I think it ends at arson. Yes. And then, oh, and then I finally, like late last night, found a uh, found the tweet from uh, the Portland Police Department, Mm -hmm. like from weeks ago going, hey, listen, this is no longer considered a peaceable uh, assembly. This is now a, a, a riot situation. If you break curfew and go to this location, you're going to be considered a, a rioter and you'll be arrested. So we're warning you, don't go there or you'll be the subject to arrest. By their sweep of people, they're just, uh, uh, it's so infuriating. And and more than more than a few of my friends uh, are, are just posting it on their Facebook and, you know, this is the end. This is it. Here they come. We knew this would happen. The, the Trump brown shirts. And it's it's just so. And I don't have the patience to. And, and, I, and I, yeah, I really don't. I really don't. No. I posted. I found a great article. I found a great piece of video uh, from Ben Shapiro. You know, Ben's just Ben's great at this stuff. He's that that's just it's his. He's just, it's really his strength. So uh, I posted that at theloftestparty.com. So if you want some ammo, ladies and gentlemen, for your misinformed friends on social media, you can just share the link and just don't even bother. Because uh, here's what I think. Like, and, and let me know how you feel. Like, it, let's say you're a business owner in Portland. You have a business downtown. Like, or you live close to downtown. Don't those people have rights? Come on, Gimlet. Tell me I'm right. I think you're right, and it's kind of like the people who lived inside of Chaz. Like, they were terrified. The couple of them that were interviewed? Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, this is this is just ridiculous. The mayor is a complete... I. There's nothing but swear words coming out of my mouth if I start talking about him. Um, but, I mean, you look at... This guy's like, okay, so it's light out now. I'm going to go downtown and see what it actually looks like. Because, you know, these people ride all night and then they go sleep in the morning, right? Yes. So he goes down and takes pictures. It looks like Fallujah. Everything boarded up. There's graffiti everywhere. There's, like, burn marks on a bunch of buildings. I mean, it's, it's absolutely empty. Like, he looked like he was the only person down there. It's, like nobody's uh, going to downtown Portland because it's so insane. No. Every business is boarded up. Every business is closed. Um, I mean, I'm I'm just going. What kind of city official allows this to happen to his city? Now, I'm going to tell you something about Ted Wheeler. I'm going to tell you something about him right now. He gave like a public statement the other night, and somebody had the video of it. And he's like, you know, he's calling for everyone to unite against Trump and stop the Gestapo tactics and all this crap. And Nancy Pelosi's calling him sort of, But Ted Wheeler does this video. And so I'm like, I'm going to do a hot take on Twitter on it. But then I, I, I couldn't. His nose, his nose looks just like a dick. It was crazy. Like I and I then once you see it, it's all you can see. Like, it literally looks like he has a penis dripping off his face right wow. below his eyes. And that's all, I could, that's all I could see. That's 
That's all I can say. It's like, wow, that really looks like a dick. <laughs> so then I was going to tweet something about him having a dick for a nose. But I'm like, that's so low brow and low class. I'll save it for the podcast. Oh, because that's what we do here. <laughs> well, I did just see something rather hysterical on social media that's going on in Portland right now. Okay, what's going on now? The helicopter moms have arrived. Oh, the moms of the Antifa kids? Oh, yeah, the moms of the Antifa kids are down there now, and they're all joining arms in front of the federal system, or the federal building, saying, you know, feds go away, the moms are here, we got this. I'm like, why don't you pick up your lousy kid, take them home, and cut off their internet access for two weeks? I think that's the right way to handle it. Well, here's the thing. Like, like the moms can go down there and scream, and it's always like, I've had enough of the white girl screaming. I have had oh, yeah. enough yeah. of these shrill white chicks screaming at usually black cops. That's, that's yeah, the I funniest that, one. Th- those oh. are the, the, the best. But, like, I, guarantee, I, I almost can guarantee that these chicks aren't going to, like, set anything on fire. They're like, if you want to stand there and scream, that's fine. Stand there and scream. It's when your your little snot-nosed kids yeah. start setting things on fire and yeah. start to try to barricade cops inside the building and then oh. set the building on fire. That's where we have issues. You just you got to see the video, though, because it looks like a special needs classroom because even the moms came down with their helmets on. Oh, that's hilarious. That's uh, hilarious. They got their helmets on. They got, oh, God. That kills me. Moms with helmets. That's just fantastic. Like the Big... bike helmet thing? Yeah. <laughs> well, here's... Screaming, feds stay clear. Moms are here. Well, this is it. When you have the media saying, and I guess this all can be traced back to some, like, local report. It all it all goes back to, like, one person's bad job of reporting. One person in Portland wrote an article that made it seem like, hey, it's peaceful protesters just trying to sell lemonade. And then these, you know, jackbooted thugs came in and took them to an undisclosed location. So that Called caught on jail. like... They were yeah. read their Miranda rights. There were DHS patches on their uniforms. And mm-hmm. they're there to protect the federal courthouse. Can everybody just calm down? Yes. yes, they were in unmarked cars because there has been violence against police vehicles. So to get to their destination, they went in an unmarked van. Yes. But it's not like we don't routinely use unmarked cars. And in fact, there is a huge movement in New York City to get the anti-crime units back who are both plainclothes and undercover. Now, that is where it gets a little bit dicey for me. And seriously, mm-hmm. when, when it comes to unmarked uh, unmarked police vehicles. I, I see where it's necessary. However, I'm not a big fan. As a comic, driving around, uh, I would do a lot of shows. I started in Ohio, but you drive across like Indiana. You're, you gotta, you know, you gotta hop over to Indianapolis to do a show. And Indiana, they just had the biggest hard-ons for like unmarked police vehicles on the highway. So you'd you'd be driving. And then all of a sudden, the the this little blue like Chevy whatever next to you would pop a light on on the dashboard, and it would start. And I'm like, I would never stop for that. I would never stop for that. 
to me, that's just a serial killer who's pretending to be a policeman. I might pull over at a gas station at like a truck stop where there's a boatload of witnesses, but that just seemed like I always go to dark places. <laughs> like I'm in the middle of a highway in Indiana in the middle of the night, and then some car just puts on a blue light and cuttings like, I'm not pulling over. No way. No way. But I yeah. can see why well, I, I mean, can the, see why they're the doing anti- it in Portland though. But the anti crime units in New York City were responsible for basically some of the most violent crimes in the city. Oh so, yeah, listen. Yeah. That that's where I'm saying you got I'm just saying it's a slippery slope. I'm all for it in Portland. I'm all for it in New York. But in Indiana, do you really need it? Do you really need it? Not on the freeway. Exactly. That's but like you don't want in Portland, you don't want to make the situation worse. If a cop car comes up to a couple hundred uh, people who are in the middle of a riot, then all of a sudden that cop car becomes the focal point for the riot. Then all those cops are in danger. They're going to take over the car. So then, okay, so now we need more cars to show up. We need more cops to show up. And then you have a really bad scenario. A real. Then you've got just a full-on uh, civil war. And we don't want that. But uh, here's – I just think it's it's so negligent – of, of the press to run with this story and with this headline. It's just nothing but opinion and nothing but spin. And it seems to be coming from every angle. They took that, uh, uh, oh, Katie McElhenney, Katie, what's her last name for the press secretary? McInerney. Yeah, yeah. She, she gave some press conference a few days ago talking about uh, you know, getting the kids back in school. And boy, they took her out of context. They took her out of context with uh, science shouldn't get in the way. And it was and it, and it was just a full on everyone in the press decided, OK, we're all just going to collectively lie about this. She, that was it was taken horribly out of context. It was a horrible misrepresentation. And it's it's coming from areas now where it's it's shocking to me. It's absolutely shocking to me. Uh, like Trump, and I've always like I've always thought Chris Wallace, that's a fair dude. He you know love him, hate him. He's pretty much a fair guy. There's there's a handful of people left. So Trump does a sit down with Chris Wallace, and Trump says that uh, that that Biden wants to defund the police. And then Joe Biden's like, oh, I got to fact check you. Got to fact check you there. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. And Trump doubles down. No, he wants to defund the police. He said he wants to defund the police. And then it becomes like a whole thing. And then Twitter blows up. And it took me 10 seconds to Google Biden defund the police. And Joe Biden is on record as saying that he goes, some funding should absolutely be redirected from police. He goes, absolutely be redirected from police. Now, he did not use the word defund, but how, how do you interpret that statement? What do, what do you think that means? That means less you're taking money. money away from the police department. Right? Unless, it's just, I couldn't, I'm like, I was, That's it was shocking. not the only shocking. place he blew it. What, what else? Well, Two years ago, Trump took what's called the um, Montreal Mental Acuity Test, Montreal <laughs> Assessment, right? Yeah. And they keep saying, there's Chris Wallace 
commenting on the difficulty of that test. Well, it's not the hardest test. They have a pictures and said, what that? What's that? And it's an elephant. That test is used to diagnose everything from depression to Parkinson's in a reliable fashion to include dementia like Alzheimer's. And it's it's employed across across the healthcare system. So if it's such a not very hard test, that's not the point. <laughs> that, he wants that, them to that's build literally a not the point. People answer certain questions in certain ways if they have a certain issue. Yes. I, I really wish political reporters would stop commenting on healthcare stuff. They just don't know anything. It is uh it's it's wild to watch. It is wild to watch. And then, and then he defended the 1619 project. Do you understand what that does, Chris Wallace? What that does is it changes the very nature of the founding of our country and creates an original sin that stains everything. And you're going to defend it just because Trump said, you know, what is this even all about? He knows what it's about. He said yeah. it very clearly during the Mount Rushmore speech. Like, it, uh... Chris Wallace... Chris Wallace is a little bit Trump damaged at this point. He really is. He's not he's not as fair and balanced as he used to be. He's starting he's starting to play the Shep Smith role. Really. <laughs> hey, Shep Smith got another gig. I think he's going to be Good. on I won't uh, watch that station either. CNBC or something. It's it's very hard and and like the Cheryl Atkinsons of the world and and everybody it's almost I like John Solomon I like Cheryl Atkinson yeah I like but I think Daily Signal does a, do, a good job it's almost impossible to keep your personal bias out of it you have to be constantly on guard about it or you're just a straight-up opinion piece and that's like with what's going on at the New York Times now with with even even the people on the left are leaving the New York Times. I know. It's just like. It, well, I mean, it, the best to, to me, the best line in, in Barry Weiss's resignation letter was, well, Twitter's actually your editor now. Yeah. 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 And it is. Be, it's becoming uh, when, when the people <laughs> who work like, at the New York Times or, don't like what you're doing because they're having, you know, little triggers blah could, blah blah we could write a deep and challenging article that would maybe surprise some of our readers or we could write the four thousandth article on how trump is a fundamental danger to our democracy like she just lambasted them that's that's wonderful it beautiful it's wonderful if i had the time and the patience i would do a compilation just of screenshots of how they characterize Every single thing Trump does as a negative, it's it's unbelievable. Like uh, you know, the civil rights icon uh, and uh, Atlanta Congress dude uh, John Lewis just passed away at the age of uh, eighty, and Trump had all the flags, low, you know, half staff, and uh, he he sent and his, out a condolence tweet. Condolence tweet and, and like so so AOL. Yes, I'm still on AOL. They're like Trump expresses his and then in quotes sympathies for the John and you're like wow you had to put that in quotes. Why would you put that? It, it was just uh, 
it's just it's just horrible and nothing uh i guess is nothing is a bridge too far they are they are just completely dedicated to to not having trump in the uh in the white house in 2020 and it is we've said this before and i'm just going to say it again if you don't think portland can happen in your town if you don't think chicago can happen in your town or uh, uh baltimore or it actually will i've been doing a deep dive into the unity platform yeah uh Biden's housing policy, Trump is not wrong. Oh, I thought of you immediately. I thought of you immediately when Trump was like, he's going to destroy the suburbs. And I'm like, oh, holy crap, Gimlet was just talking about that. Well, because I've seen it before. After the housing bubble crashed in 2000, or the housing crash in 2008, right? Yeah. I was living in a home in suburban Chicago. We were living in the suburbs, right? And... In, in a outside of Naperville in a planned community that had probably about 2,000 houses in it. Mm-hmm. Well, rent companies bought up the whole perimeter where the smaller houses were. Yeah. By the time we left, a couple years later, we literally had a gang problem in the elementary school. Woo! It doesn't so take long. When it's not even, it's not even about, it's not about race. It's, it's it's literally about a social compact and you know when like when there's a lack of ownership on properties and people come in and move move in i mean you can tell who owns their house and who doesn't yeah yeah well that's listen that's that has been a uh, a big problem and that's what i that's what i've liked about trump's opportunity zones Listen, we had uh, many, uh, back in the early stages of this show, we had Michael Steele on, the former RNC guy, good dude. And I'm like, well, let's, how do we solve this issue? I don't want to talk the problem. And he's like, you got to figure out a way to get money to the the bad neighborhoods. You got to figure out a way to get money into these neighborhoods so you can get entrepreneurs going and small businesses and minority-owned businesses and people can buy houses and they can take care. And I'm like, yes, there, let's do that, let's do that. And that was one of the reasons that I was happy with with flipping Donald Trump. He comes in, he goes, well, OK, we're going to do opportunity zones, which is going to uh, really give an incentive to get some money to these bad communities. Here you go. You need money. You need capital. You need investment. Here you go. We're going to we're going to fast track it. And man, it, it's not hyperbole. It's well, not hyperbole. He's done more for the black community in, in four years than Biden's done in 47. It's. It's shocking. Yeah, well now um I've so far I've done the climate one. The climate yeah. part of the unity agenda and I did um civil uh, criminal justice yesterday and today yeah. I'm doing a deep dive into the economic fairness platform. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, okay, this is great. This is the perfect time. You have something. It's the economic platform. That's the that's our little teaser. That's our little teaser. Here's what we're going to do, you guys. We're going to take uh, our first break because we've already gone over. Holy smoke. I got uh, my buddy Pete Corrielli. So funny. He's on the show. 
We're coming back with him, and then right after that, uh, we, we got some more. <laughs> we got some more scary info about Joe Biden. Ooh, and I have a little uh, Joe Biden thing too. That's just fantastic. But anyway, stick around. We'll be right back. Get to Kohl's and take an extra 25% off Adidas for the entire family. Plus, with an extra 15% off, get up to 50% off the big one bedding. And save on Nike athletic shoes for kids. Plus, get Kohl's cash. Plus, limited contact store drive up. Right now at Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Offers valid July 17th through July 26th. 15% offer with promo code Big Savings. 25% off Adidas. Offers and coupons do not apply. Select styles. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. Today, this breakfast isn't just breakfast. It might be the first McDonald's breakfast you're having at McDonald's again. This lunch might be a weekly tradition you hadn't had in weeks. And this dinner might be the first one you bought for not just you in a while. Whatever this order is for you, McDonald's will be here to take it. Get more of the chicken you love with a delicious McChicken sandwich for $1. And for an extra buck, add a refreshing Dr. Pepper. Dining rooms are starting to reopen in certain communities. At participating McDonald's, cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Every once in a while, you get a guest who's just so magnificent, somebody who gets it, someone who, who's fun to hang around and fun to talk to, someone with an insanely popular podcast of their very own. We couldn't get that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so we got Pete Corrielli instead. Pete, how are you doing, man? <coughs> I'm all right, Lofty. I was about to... Uh be in a better mood until you made fun of me there <laughs> oh, dude, i have i have to poke fun your podcast is insanely successful uh and it's it's the what it's it's pete and sebastian yeah it's me and obviously sebastian maniscalco who is like uh ridiculously faint yeah Never. i know it's unbelievable man the rise but yeah so yeah that's going good you know obviously you know you always wonder how much of it is because of how popular he is but then you know they can tune in if it's not funny they wouldn't listen so dude it's you it's you come on (laughs) come on now you and i we go way back i'm just gonna give the audience a little refresher course you and I did the Jameson's Irish Whiskey Comedy uh, Tour, which was insane. Then we worked together on the Kevin James show, Kevin Can Wait. And now we are both working on uh, another show with Kevin James for Netflix called The Crew. We're both stand-up comics. We're, we're, uh, we're both incredibly charming, handsome, and uh, people find us irresistible. Yeah. Now I want here's what I want to get to you because your career is exploding, dude. You are blo- you, you, like right before this thing hit, like you had your tour going. You were doing uh, dates on your own, selling out show after show. When when do you pick back up? What's what's the game plan with with you and your people? Isn't it crazy, Mike? It's like I mean I was playing small theaters, but thank you. Um, 
And, you know, it's kind of like they got dates set up for, for July and August and then June rolls around or, and they're like, yeah, we're going to push those. But we still have dates for September. We got our fingers crossed. And then, you know, we'll see. Everything just keeps getting pushed down the line. But, dude, <clears throat> I think probably like you have, too, I, I miss and love live comedy more than anything. But it has now reached a point where I think most performers have now finally said to themselves, all right, I. I think I got to start thinking about how I'm going to present my uh, art in another way that I'm going to make money for the rest of my life because I don't know if this shit's ever going to come back in the purity that it was. Well, I got some good news for you. I got some good news for you. I've been I've been out there in May in May, Pete. I did a week at the Improv in Addison, Texas, in Dallas. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. They got governors is reopen uh, out here on Long Island. People are figuring out a way to do it. Here's the deal. And this is this is where I landed. I want to get your feedback on this because I had a bunch of dates. I had a bunch of theater dates in June and July that I had to cancel and move around. Here's what I think we're, we're looking at. Instead of doing one show for like uh, 300 people in a theater, I think we got to do two shows for like 150 and let, and let them spread out. It's going to suck. It's going to be more work for us. But until, you know, as, as long as people are doing the social distance thing, I think that's 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 the my my bright shining uh beacon of hope. I'll do it. I'll go on the road. I'll do two shows instead of one. I always want to do that one show that's just sold out and packed and you just rock and roll and get out of there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course. But I'll doesn't? do two. I'll do two. Yeah. You do that, right? Oh, I would do two. I've done three. I'm sure you've done three, right? That's the worst. That's that's torture. I'll never I'll never put myself through that. I'll never well, do that way, again. It's funny though, when you do three, at least for me, you know, uh, people are like, oh wow, the third show must be rough and those people must get a bad I go, No, it the the fir- it's the first show. It's usually between <laughs> six and seven. That's the one I sleepwalk through because that's usually a really old people want to get home, you know, after their early bird special. I yeah. go, then you forget that. You immediately forget that one. And you pretend you just got into the green room. So now the second show was the first show. And then by the third show, I got a little buzz going, so fuck it. But after the third show, I've been hanging out in the green room having a drink. Where <laughs> You get that sense of feeling like, I got to get up. I got to go on. I got to go on. And then something in your head goes, no, you're, no more shows. You're done. You're done. Right? Because you're just so used to. Oh, remember all those years being in the green room when you're bullshitting with other comics. You always had that sense of, I have to go on any second. Yeah. So, yeah. But I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe the opposite, Mike. Maybe instead of that, you just charge, you do one show, but you charge twice as much. There you go. It's $100 a ticket. You only need, <laughs> you only need a couple people there. It's all good. So now here's, here's the next thing. Cause I saw, I saw the video you, you posted recently about your, your dog's funeral plot in the backyard and how your wife got the, uh, the little statue there. Which, yeah. Which I think you do, because your your question to the audience was, "Am I obligated to clean the statue now?" My answer was immediately yes, yes. That is now a shrine to the loving memory of that that dog. You have to clean that off. Do you have? Do you have? Like to me, I'm like, why did he make this video? This is stupid. That's a no brainer. He has to clean that up. That's insane. Because ninety percent of the people are like, God, fuck the pigeon shit. The rain will wash it away anyway. Right? No, really- that's a symbol of the love you had for that dog. 
You should but, put flags by it. You should have flags. You should have fo- laminated photos. Of the dog. <laughs> well, what about this though? My <laughs> wife didn't didn't go. I need a statue that looks like my dog. She happened to be in a store that had a statue that looked like the dog, and she's like, "I should get that. Sign. It looks like." That's, That's a sign. <laughs> sign my ass. <laughs> so hey, so so what have like with the videos that you, that you're putting out on on Facebook and YouTube? What what else have you been doing, man? To 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 get out there and perform and 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 share your art, share your craft. Oh man, you know it's funny because well. When we were writing on the Kevin's uh, second sitcom, I had I had a script I had to finish up, like you probably did too, right? I think you had script number ten. I got, dude. I got, I got, I got a, a movie story that I'll that I'll I'll sh- I'll regale you with when we're off the air. I'm like Charlie oh. Brown. I'm like Charlie Brown the football. I'm like Charlie Brown. They keep loving this script, and they go, "Hey, if you could just take a look at it, just update it." But this guy's excited, that guy's excited, everybody's all excited. We got plenty of time to read it because the coronavirus. And so you work on it, you whip it, you get it back into shape, and you fall back in love with it. You're like, "Damn, this is some funny stuff." And then, wah wah, she pulls away the football. <laughs> <laughs> Who did? What are you talking about? It's a movie script that I wrote. Uh, the first draft. I'm I'm not even kidding you. I wrote this thing probably uh, ten years ago, and it and it uh, had a a bunch of it got a bunch of heat, and then it went away. And then they asked for a rewrite, and it got a bunch of heat. And uh, uh, Jason Biggs was going to be in it from American Pie, and we were getting money together. We had the studio set up, and then wah wah, they pulled the football away. And every everybody I know who's in features. It's like, dude, just be happy. You've got TV. TV's the way to go. And, of course, the grass is always greener. So then even after the Jason Biggs thing went away, a couple years after that, more excitement coming in. Do another. Re- and so I fell for it again. And at the last minute, womp, womp. And then I just went through it again. I just went through it again. Although it's not dead. It's not dead. There's a lot of people are reading it. Excitement, yada, yada, yada. But I've gotten we've gotten so far. We've done <laughs> production budgets dude they're like emailing me production budgets and talking about people's schedule and this director and that director and it gets really exciting but then you know something happens and i think it's a tough time for film uh but anyway that's neither that's neither here nor there um i want to talk about i want to talk about you man and, and and your thing your script wow that's fascinating uh, well, we wrote the, me and uh, the other guy, Pete Hoare, that you know that we wrote together on Kevin Thwait. We wrote a script uh, with Michael Rappaport that I told you about. So yeah. we wrote it, and now, and, uh, so they, they, they started sending it out, but not to everybody. They do that thing. Let's start with uh, certain networks. So one of them we went to was <laughs> HBO, HBO, who liked it and wanted to do a Zoom now based on the uh, script with me, yeah. Rappaport, and Pete and stuff, and the producer. And it's just so funny, dude, because, you know, as comics, even though I'm not in this show that I'm, you know, I'm writing it for Michael Rappaport, we shine in a room. You know, I remember I sold something once to CBS, a sitcom that, you know, we never made it, but I sold the script idea. And uh, I swear, I think I sold it based on this joke I made about their new parking garage in the CBS lot when I first walked in this. I feel like that's what. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I walk in and I go, how many pitches 
a day are you hearing that you need to add a seven-story parking garage to CBS? I turned to my manager. I go, why, why don't we just play lotto? And they all laugh and go, sit down, Pete. And I'm like, that got me. to. So, you know, now you're doing Zoom. And the lady on HBO, halfway through the pitch, she goes, look, can you hold on? My dog is barking. I think there might be something wrong. So she's got to get up from the living room to go check, check on the dog in mid-pitch. Right? So now you're like, all right, how are we going to kill time? Well, let's talk to the other guy at HBO who's sitting outside with a pool behind them while we wait for the lady to come back with a dog, right? So now we're going to him. Hey, Mike, uh, nice pool. He's like, yeah, I'm going to jump in it right after this meeting. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> it's good to know you can't wait to get out of this shit, right? So, you know, you just kind of like, you got to get used to that. Everybody's got to get used to that, you know, that, that is so, so we pitch to them. And now, but every time we pitch it, the producer goes, hey, we'll just make it a crackle if, if uh, we don't sell it anywhere else. I have a deal with crackle. So me and Pete Hoare are like, guy, let's just stop doing this and make it a crackle. Because we, <laughs> if we make it there, we can do whatever we want, you know? Yes. Yeah. How about this? How about you go to crackle and you get an offer and then you still go out and pitch, but you've got crackle in your hip pocket. Then you can get multiple offers and get get more. Yeah, tell your manager. Yeah, let's go. Let's go to crackle. Well, th well, this is the producer, and you know, you talk about the rug being cut out. This is a funny one. About three weeks ago, Pete Hoare emails me. He's like, "Did you see this?" I guess he reads Variety every day, and there was an article saying Crackle's new season, or new development schedule, or something, or coming out. Mm -hmm. And it's listing. They're like they have a show with Ashton Kutcher, and they go, and then a new series is coming out. Ten episodes will pick them to be made with starring Michael Rappaport and Flagrant, you know, written by uh, you know me and Hor. And and Pete's like, dude, it's picked up. So then he calls up the producer, and the producer's like, yeah, no, that was a mistake by because he owns half a crack. Well, by our people over here, they didn't mean to add that to the list. And you're like, holy sh! People were calling me to congratulate me. I'm like, no, oh, that, was a man. that was a mistake. Yeah. So anyway, and then you know the Black Lives Matter kicks in, and then now you're on the phone with each other, going, all right, who in this script can we turn to? Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> a non-white character. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, your script was very, very white. <laughs> yeah, I go so far. A script has one African American character in it, and it's an ex-convict who's uh, working at a bowling alley, cleaning the. the alley. Redo his pitch. <laughs> I mean, that's just the truth of the character. I mean, Mike's Rappaport's character was an ex-convict too, so I'm yeah. just saying. But yeah, it's like, hilarious. you know, and then you're like, if we rewrite that and we, we change this to a, a black person and that to a white person, like you feel like then HBO or, or any network, NBC, whoever you pitch it to, you go, though, they see right through that. They know you only did that. Right. Right. But yeah, but I think but I think you have to do it. I think you have to do it. And you have to like if, if you have an opportunity to make it diverse, everyone's just going to feel better about it. Everyone will just feel better. Well, so. let me let me. Ask you a question, and Stacy, your co-host, who's been quiet. Hello, Stacy. If you're still with us, if you haven't gone for coffee, uh, maybe she has. Hello, uh, I'm still here. <laughs> uh, I'm just listening. All right. Well, let me ask you guys this, Lofty. When 
when I'm watching a show, right? Let's say you got a hit show on a network <laughs> and they have a character that does something Louis C.K. level, let's say, where not illegal, just very offensive, right? Yeah. And then everyone's an outrage. Cancel that show. Get him off. Even Chris D'Elia. I know he's on some show. I don't, I don't think he really, based on what I read, did anything illegal. So so everyone makes an outrage. Let's say if you had a network, you go, ah, fuck him. I'm just going to ignore him. Do you really think that you'll see a drop in ratings or anything else? No, they'll just move on to the next fucking thing. Yes. Yes, absolutely. The only this is why, and it's been a it's been a, a rule of thumb, uh, at least for people on the right. When you get attacked by the outrage culture, you never apologize. You never apologize. It's, it's like it's like a weak gazelle, man. The the the, the mob is out there like a po- a pack of of hungry uh, hungry jackals, and as soon as like you apologize, that's like a gazelle with a bad leg, and then they just all swarm on until there's nothing left but bones. You just gotta keep yeah. going and keep running. And that, that's it. And, and, you know, I was thinking about it just this morning, right? I see all these tweets about Jeffrey Epstein, some bar guy in the Hamptons. He's like, I'm burning the bar booth where he table he used to eat at. I can't even look at it, you know? And I, I get it. The guy's a monster, but that's more of, you know, when you want to, like, make a point. I get all that. But my point is, remember that guy at Penn State? I thought I'd never forget his name. Uh, it took me. Jerry Sandusky, I think. Yeah, he's yeah, just, yeah. Right? That guy was the most vile, evil man ever. And this morning, I'm like, man, what was that guy? I can't remember his name. What was the guy from Penn State? You know, <laughs> and he's a guy I thought I'd never forget his name. So someday we're going to forget Jeffrey Epstein's name. And these are the most evil person in the world. So, so yeah, <laughs> you, you, you jerked off in your hotel room with a girl there, a woman who didn't leave and giggled at you. So you're going to cancel the show? I don't get it. Just don't cancel it. They're not going to stop watching. That's how I see it. That's... That's how I see it too. That's how I see it too. Everybody's and what what kills me now, and uh, and I'm sure Stacy will want to chime in on this, is like now you have these corporations that are proactively canceling themselves when like no one was offended, right? It's right. Like, yeah. It's like don't worry, we'll stop making Uncle Ben's rice. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> we love that. That's tasty and delicious. It takes me like two minutes to make it. Who else? Go Go oh, no, my favorite. My favorite was Lady Annabellum, who became Lady A, and then sued the black singer who's been using that stage name for like twenty years. Oh, Pete, did you hear about that? No. Okay, so there's this country music band. I had never heard of them either. I, I kind of <clears> in the background called Lady Antebellum. Lady Antebellum, which Antebellum which is an sounds architectural style, right? But it sounds like like a sample a doctor would look at. You know, I need to I need to look at your Antebellum. But <laughs> <laughs> so this this country band, Lady Antebellum, the whole Black Lives Matter thing is coming on strong, and they're like, we're going to change our name because our name is offensive. And I nobody asked them to. Nobody, nobody asked. I looked it up, and it's like, oh. In in the the pre it's a it's a pre war architectural style, right? But but commonly commonly used with pre Civil War. It's not exclusive to the Civil War. It's just here's what shit used to look like before the war blew it up. So everybody's like, okay, that sounds silly. So they decide to change their name to Lady A, which in my opinion, Lady A sounds like the head hooker at at a house at a whorehouse, and she has a specialty of taking it in the back door. Right. Now, but 
I, the only difference, I t- Lady A also has a dick. I feel like it's a tranny. I'm sorry, doesn't it? So but like a high end one that when you realize it's a tranny, you don't even mind. <laughs> like, well, you were hot. You were hot. I could look beyond that. <laughs> so they announce their name. They they announce their name as Lady A, and then they find out there's a there's a blues singer that already has the name Lady A. And then weeks go by, and Lady A, the blues singer, is like, I'm not going to change my name because you guys want it. So now they're suing each other. And it's just hilarious. It's just hilarious and stupid all at the same time. The irony of three white people changing their name and to the stage name of a black singer because of Black Lives Matter and then getting into a legal battle over it is just really too much. <laughs> yes. And suing, yeah. and suing a woman of color over that. It's all it's all too good, man. Jeez. Man, it's like and kind of thing we would do. You're gonna have to say whatever we got, we got a horrible connection there, buddy. What uh, can you can you rephrase the question? Okay, I said when you and I would be working and we'd go outside when we were writing for Kevin's shows, sometimes you would talk me off a cliff with some (laughs) of the things going on. And like one of those things I'd be asking you if we were still there, right now, the way the younger people, I I get it that they're more aware of the mistreatment of, of things and the, and the, the way things were bad years ago but where does all the the massive shame come from and like guilt and like you know like i don't really is that from colleges and institutions just yeah it into yeah i think it's it's from the the public school system it's from from elementary school it's from middle school high school and, and then college is, is just the finish finishing touch they've been told their whole lives that america is is horrible were horrible and that there's nothing to be proud of about America, but there's ton to be ashamed of. And then once you go to college, then there's this self-congratulations of like, ooh, I was so smart, I was offended. And people are like, ooh, wait, what, what were you offended by? Well, you don't realize this, but what you like is actually racist. What? Yes, it's actually racist, and you should be offended. If you were, if you were as smart as me, you would be offended too. So then it, then it becomes a, a virtue signaling thing and a self-fulfilling prophecy. But anyway, uh, yeah, they've, they've got a rude awakening. These people have a, a, a rude, rude awakening. Here's what I want to ask you, though, uh, before I let you go. Enjoy the rest of your day. Do you have a bunch of COVID-19 material? Do you have a bunch of lockdown material that's just ready to go? Uh, Yeah, I guess so. But, you know, there's always that fear of uh, once we all get back out there. Oh, wow. The guys, everyone before you is doing the same mask joke, doing the same this joke. You know what I mean? So. You're trying to find those overly clever ones, but uh, I think I got the best China stuff. I don't know why they're getting a free pass. I mean, no <laughs> fucking apology, no apology. If nothing else, if nothing yes. else, how how yes. about a, I'm sorry? <laughs> ah, I so, love it. Thanks for having me, guys. I told my I was on stage. You gotta come. You gotta come back to town, man, and we'll get you on stage at Govs. 
uh, I did I did a show there last Thursday, and I'm like, I'm not going to do any COVID stuff. I'm not going to do any lockdown stuff, any mask stuff, no quarantine stuff. And then of course, I get up there, and I, I just, you know, it just slips out. They went crazy. So then my whole set, <laughs> my whole set was just bitching about the lockdown and having to wear a mask and blah, blah, blah. They loved it, guy. They loved yeah. it. Yeah. And you know, Long Island is most of them have the same sensibility as you. So it's a it's just a great home base for you, you know? You are like you come on, they're like, that's how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun. all right. Yeah. Well, the last I heard uh is um is uh things are looking good. We're on we go into phase four. We go into phase four on Monday. So uh, clubs will be reopening and things will, you'll have to let me know what's going on at the comedy cellar. You, you, we'll get you back into town. We gotta, we gotta do some work. We gotta tell some jokes. Yeah. Well, you guys are supposed to start up. I heard maybe by July 26th, they said, uh, Cuomo said you might be able to start filming again. Uh, wow. Yeah. So hopefully I'll uh, be stopping by anyway and see you soon, but thanks yeah. for having me on, man. This is fun. Way to go. Oh, thanks for doing the show. Congratulations on all your success. Keep it up, keep it up. And if you ever need an MC, you know where I am. Yeah, you're <laughs> more than that. But thanks, Mikey. You're the best. All right. Brother. All right. My uh, best to the life. Bye, Stace. Bye. 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 Pete Coriali, ladies and gentlemen. That is a great dude. As a small business owner, you deserve more. More confidence, more connectivity, more of the tools that help your business thrive. And at Cox Business, you can expect more from us. We don't just have sales reps. We have perfect plan identifiers. People who will work with you to make sure your business gets everything it needs and nothing that it doesn't. Your business deserves more, and that's why you can expect more from Cox Business. Call 800-526-8572 to switch today. There's nothing more predictable in life than the unexpected. Lightning will always strike. Hail will fall on roofs. Fortunately, there's AAA. AAA has been helping members stay prepared for over a 100 years. So when unusual storms, fallen debris, or sudden leaks happen, you'll be covered. Check, check, and check. Get the home and auto insurance you need by talking with a AAA insurance agent today. Visit AAA.com slash insurance or stop by your local AAA store. is fantastic one day we're all we're all going to come down to your neck of the woods gimlet we're going to do a show you got to meet pete he's hilarious he's just hilarious uh fantastic so make sure he's in long island and you're in western new york though (laughs) well he grew up out here he grew up out here he's he's my he's my my long island concierge there He's like, go. Mikey, Mikey, guy, you got to try this. You got to go here. You got to. It's great. I love having a Long Island concierge. So make sure give uh, give Pete Coriali a follow on uh, on Twitter, on the Instagram, the YouTubes, all that good stuff. Uh, it's C-O-R-R-E-A-L-E. That's how you spell Coriali. He's a good dude. OK, so we promised it some more some more Joe Biden dirt. 
which uh, I'll start this off with, uh, and I had never seen this video before. We don't have a clip of it. I'm sorry. We're not we're not that good at our jobs today. But in 88, uh, during one of Joe Biden's presidential runs, and this is all, I got the video. Go to theloftestparty.com. I, I have the video up there. You can go see the clip. It's an, it's an old ABC News video. And the way they, boy, they didn't like Joe Biden back in the day. They did not want him to be president in 88. He's given a speech, or he's, he's talking to the press uh, in some setting, and he's like, you know, why is it that I'm sitting here and my wife is sitting there in the front row? My wife, who was the first in five generations to attend college, da-da-da-da. And then they intercut with this British dude who was like running for parliament saying the exact same thing. And so beat for beat, they show, they just keep going back and forth. Biden says it, and then you see the dude who said it originally. Biden lifted this dude's entire life. And the British guy was better at it, too. Like, the audience was going crazy. They were eating it up. And so they confront Biden over it. And he goes, I don't know. I was thinking about it on the way over here. That's Because they asked him, they're like, oh, where would you get all those ideas to talk about your wife being the first one to go to college and this and that and the other thing? He goes, I was thinking about it on the drive over. He just lies with such ease. And they go, well, that's that's verbatim uh, what this dude in England said, this politician, you know, Nigel, blah, 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 whatever his name was. And Biden's like, well, I don't think that's a bad thing, you know, that I was inspired. And it's true. And like he just tried to weasel and he tried to weasel. But in 88, that ended him. That ended him. And this is like. The third or fourth time, he just loves to plagiarize. He just loves to lift stuff from other people. And, like, genuinely, he'll say it with such conviction. It's it's almost terrifying. It's 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 really scary. So we promised some economic uh, talk. And I have to think, because I know you've been digging into the policy, he has to have lifted this from somebody else. Like, whose well, no, policy what, is, is what passing did. off as, as his own? What he did is to... To try to get the Bernie bros to vote for him. What his campaign did or his handlers did. I don't believe Biden did this because they don't believe he can put too many coherent thoughts together. But so what the Biden campaign camp did was they created committees where there's usually one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, eight or nine, like seven or nine people on them. Okay. And Biden picked some and Bernie picked some to go on each committee. So there were individual task force um, units that had some Bernie people and some Biden people that came together and then this was announced as their unity platform. The unity platform. The unity that, platform. That I can tell me. you right now it is a lot more Sanders than it is Biden. He's like, got you to might make as well have just made happy. Sanders your nominee. Yeah. He's yeah. got to make all the lunatics happy. He's got to keep AOC happy. He's got to keep Nancy happy. He's got to keep – it's really Bernie, though, the Bernie bros and the AOC. You, you, yeah, it, if, you, if, you blow, if you blow Bernie good enough, AOC will smile and hand you a Kleenex. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just you read the climate thing, and they're like, well, it's not the Green New Deal. Yeah, you, you're, not, you're not banning cow farts anymore, but it is the Green New Deal. Yeah, everything that was in the like, they're ha they have literally they have us driving imaginary cars in five years. 
Yeah, I, I, I seem to recall something about, like, he, he's talking about how soon he wants us to be on total clean energy and all this. And it, it all reeks of uh, Solyndra in well, my the way, mind. The way that you know this is not Biden's plan is because Biden's plan has always included nuclear energy. Oh, they're going to get rid of say, Biden said early in the campaign, you cannot go to less carbon unless you include nuclear as part of the strategy. And he's correct. But they don't want nuclear power because its footprint is so small, right? A relatively small nuclear power plant can power half a state. Yeah. Whereas if you're building all these freaking windmills and installing solar panels and it, you don't get to take over nearly as many sectors of the economy if you use nuclear power. That's what really scares me. First, oh, there's stuff like, on manufacturing? Yes. Now, now we're getting into the, the, oh. the emotion of it, the fear of it. When the government starts picking winners and losers in industry, when the government starts saying... Uh, you know, here's we're going to we're going to help this industry, but not that one. You're in bad shape, you guys. And, and here's where it the, the federal government never invents the light bulb. I keep coming back to that. That was private enterprise. That was some dude who wanted to get rich. That was Thomas Edison who wanted to, you know, because right now at, the, at that moment in time, kerosene, kerosene was everywhere. Kerosene lamps. And we got, you know. The government would never invent the light bulb. And if they did, it would be so expensive. Light bulbs would have been like $100 when they first came out. So, and, and then, then once the government gets into manufacturing, then they're, all, then they're controlling the means of production. And then it's just straight up communism. It's straight I mean, up communism. So regulations on production that they might as well take it over. But when you read the manufacturing section as someone who's actually worked in the manufacturing sector... Of course you did. That's what I did for 15 years. <laughs> you've been everywhere. You've been a nurse. You've been in human resources. You've been in manufacturing. Yeah, you but lived I was in, in HR and manufacturing. You, you lived in San Francisco. You are a gypsy. This is why you have the name. I, I, I was in HR in manufacturing. Wow. That was the same stuff. Okay. And yes, I was a nurse for five years when I was younger. Okay. No. Tell me more. Tell me more about the scary manufacturing crap. Well, and I mean, they're talking economic. about the First of all, anybody who's ever worked for a manufacturer knows what they are always trying to do is cut their energy costs and cut their contamination costs because they're required to clean them up. Companies yes. actually have a profit motive to do those things well. Okay. Yeah. So, they treat organizations in this policy as if they're just these, like, wanton polluters that don't care how much energy they suck out of the world. That's just a faulty premise. You can tell these people have never worked anywhere. Yeah. Okay? Second that, of all... That's a big problem. Second of all, they think they need to get involved in innovation. It is... Because there's no profit motive to innovate. It's their their lack of the understandings of the basic fundamentals of how business and how industry works. They're so ignorant 
and and to have it, it, it the whole thing reads like an an Ayn Rand novel. It really does. Oh they, my they, god! But the, they have no, no understanding. The econ- economy unit task force turns housing into a right. Oh, it's oh man. Uh-huh. We, we can't we can't let this dude uh, get elected. We gotta we gotta. Democrats commit to forging a new economic and social contract with the American people, a contract that works for the people, not just for big corporations and the wealthiest few. (coughs) A new economic contract that recognizes all Americans have a right to quality, affordable health care, one that recognizes housing as right, not a privilege, and and that no one should be homeless in the richest country on earth. A new economic and social contract that raises wages and restores workers' rights to organize or join a union and collectively bargain. They'll basically eliminate right-to-work states. Yes, and, and I just want to key in on this, too, about the everyone has a, uh, a, a right to have a wonderful home and a place to live. Don't think for a moment that, the, that this party and, and these, these people won't wrap themselves up in this noble sounding endeavor and use this to ruin your life i i, I mentioned it on the, your house they they'll just decide you've had it long enough or they will like right now and it's we, we talked about it a few weeks ago on this show they have the transcripts and they have the audio recordings of a city councilman from venice beach california talking to gavin newsom and uh, garcetti and other People about uh, the the upside to keeping the lockdown going, the upside to keeping everyone from paying their bills is that a lot of these nice buildings and hotels, these beachfront properties uh, will be put up for sale and they can come in and they can swoop in and they can use this housing uh, you know, bill that they passed or a new housing thing, they can just swoop in, get these buildings for pennies on the dollar, and then just turn them into uh, units for homeless people. And they'll, they'll just, they're going to put, they'll drive these people out of business by not allowing them to make money. Then when you have to sell your real estate, they're going to swoop in and take it. And then boom, there goes the neighborhood. And, and, it, and it's all over. It's all done in the name of, oh, we care. It's terrifying. When after the housing bubble, when my neighborhood probably turned into twenty five percent rentals, right? Yeah, and it happened all over suburban Chicago. It wasn't just my neighborhood. Um, I literally lost tens of thousands of dollars in equity. Yeah, like tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. And then it's 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 over. Then it's just a then you're just, you're just like chewing off your own leg to get out. Like I gotta I gotta sell it for something and get out of here and get to a neighborhood where I can start building equity again. You know. Yep. It's uh, it is uh, it's bad news. This uh, it's and it it's just it kills an me. epic struggle. It kills me because the media is all talking like Donald Trump said this and. They're going to do this, and who knows what will move into your town. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I've seen it happen, and for you to make it racial is pure bullshit. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it, it's it, – I, I have to laugh. It's, it's so – 
frustrating, but it's 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 hilarious because it's based in hysteria. Well, not only that, but I don't think I live in a relatively small neighborhood, about forty houses, right? Yeah. I don't think the three black families that live here or the six Hispanic families that live here want this to happen either. It's, it's not about race. It's about the social contract of where you live. Yes. 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 And these people, oh my God, Uber. I, when, when, you, when you started talking about the different uh, racial profile, Uber came out with this thing, which is so incredibly racist. I'm so glad you, you brought Uber up the- Uber Eats? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so Uber Eats is like, we're going to fight racism. By uh, not charging for delivery from black-owned restaurants. Well, you know that's well, illegal. Well, but like, how do the Asian people feel? How exactly. do the Mexican people feel? It's like, holy crap! That's the that is in itself uh, completely racist. It's it was I mean, that's uh, the, the whole bottom line of that entire freaking book. White fragility is racist. I I'm not even gonna waste. Here's some things I'm not going to waste my time with is uh, is learning anything about like white fragility or or the whole systemic racism thing. I I know it's racist. I'm going to post this video to uh, to the Loftus party as soon as we wrap up here, because it's so you you forget these things. You, You forget them. I stumbled across a video. I was watching some great stuff last night. YouTube was in the zone. Like they've got they they show me some good stuff. Uh, I'm really like Glenn Lowry right now. Uh, sweet. I, they showed me a video of they go. These are the men who built the skyscrapers of New York, and I don't know. It was like a piece of a documentary, but it was all this footage. Of the these guys, and they're building the Chrysler Building, and they're starting work on the Empire State Building, and they're showing these dudes in the 1920s or early 30s, whatever, zero safety equipment, like zero. It was terrifying to watch. It was guys are are throwing hot rivets up, uh, you know, 20 feet in the air, and some dudes leaning out with a tin cup to catch the hot rivet so he can hand it to the guy so they can, and the death rate on that. These guys were building things, zero safety equipment, two out of five. Two out of five sure. either fell to their death or 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 never like walked. It was terrifying. And it's like, oh, please, please continue. About uh, white fragility and 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 how privilege, white privilege. It's like, and it's just. Uh, granted, I'm sure there was hardcore racism back then, where black dudes couldn't even get those jobs. But it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. These dudes were insane. It was nuts. It was oh, uh, all Irish. Oh, it was wild to watch. It was they were all wild. Irish and Italian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you go back to the the building of the railroads and, and all that stuff. And it's like it's just it's it's horrible. And I don't want to go tit for tat because ultimately it's boring. And, yeah, the, the Irish weren't treated well. And I tell you what, the Chinese were treated horribly in the building of the railroads. Um, um, you know, I mean, it's just 
I, I boil it down to a very simple com- concept. Yeah. You are either pushing 1619 and Malcolm X, or you believe in 1776 and Martin Luther King. I'm the latter camp. Yeah. Uh, here, this is so great. This is another video that uh, YouTube suggested for me. And it's like, you have to choose happiness. You have to choose happiness. Like, there is, reality is just reality. That's what it is. We're all we're all born. We have a series of experiences, and then and then we die. And it's how you interpret these experiences. And if you can, you choose happiness, and and just watch the difference that it'll make in your life. Now, if though if if everything is always stacked against you, and everybody's always out to get you, and life is always miserable, then congratulations, your life is always going to be miserable. But uh, to all the listeners here, like, it's what we're trying to do. We're trying to be part of a solution, not get wrapped up in talking the problem and just be completely negative. We got to have some fun. Let's continue to do good stuff. But let's, we, it is time to be full-throated in our support of where we want this country to go and where we want this country not to go. And, uh... And make sure you're 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 following good people, and you're you know spreading the word, and don't feel bad about who you support politically. I want to I want to end the show on this because this was a bit of a this was a bit of a downer for me. It was a it was a bad moment last night. Uh, as you know, uh, many moons ago, I had a television show called The Flipside, and one of my guests on that show was a delightful uh, young lady, uh, Dana Lash. Dana Lash, uh, really very bright, very smart, super attractive. She's got a like total like Wonder Woman Amazon vibe. Uh, she's a big Second Amendment person. She's uh, she's smart. She's witty. She's a awesome. She's a very good flirt. <laughs> so she tweets something Friday night that I was just delighted with. She goes, "I've had my fill of Twitter." I'm off to play Borderlands. And then I'm like, holy crap. She's a gamer too? Oh, so of course I click on it because there's all these comments. So she's playing Borderlands. I could not like Dana Lash more. About halfway down the thread, someone asks her the question that broke my heart. They said, are you playing on PlayStation 4 or Xbox? And Dana Lash... You villain, you, you, you absolute villain. You said you play on Xbox. That's it. That is a bridge too far. I can no longer in good conscience support Dana Lash. Switch to PS4. Come on, it's a better platform. It's the, it's the superior platform. Dana Lash playing Borderlands on Xbox. That's the end of America. That's the end of America, ladies and gentlemen. And Borderlands. Get into some destiny. Come on. Come on. So, if you know Dana Lash, you tell her what I just said. And we will have uh, the battle of the consoles. You guys are great. Have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for your support. I hope you uh, give Pete Corrielli a follow. Make sure uh, you're following... Uh, the Liberty Gimlet, too. You want to throw out your Twitter handle there? 
Fire. That's at God's Fire. S C O D S F Y R E. Yeah, you've got some. You've got. Are you, now? Are you and Kung Fu Rick still doing the shows in the mornings? Uh, yeah, we Monday through Friday. That's Daily a good shows. one. Get a little red pillin. Yeah. So you can hear the Gimlet uh, every morning with uh, with Kung Fu Rick. Uh, they have a great show. Thanks for supporting this. Thanks for telling your friends about the podcast. We got new videos on uh, the YouTube channel. That happens on Mondays and Fridays. We're doing live streams on the Facebook page every Wednesday. There's so much great content at theloftestparty.com. Sign in. Make an account. You can post stuff, too. We love you. Go get some sun. You sect a heathen. Oh.